0: Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. The Rogue Invitational is over for the year, so John and I caught up about the realities of travelling to international competitions and what it's like behind the scenes. Hope you enjoy it.
1: Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them.
0: back to the podcast John Singleton you are currently sitting in an airport in is it Houston
1: We are in Houston Texas yeah
0: But I'm very disappointed to see you aren't wearing cowboy hat
1: No this it's not very practical actually <laughs> Maybe when riding a horse or walking in the open plains but it's not super practical walking around
0: How long have you been in America for How long's the trip So we arrived
1: on Thursday the week before last, so probably like 10 days, something like that. It feels like we've been had a lot of US trips this year, so we've been in the US quite a lot.
0: And it was just the two of you this time, just you and Jacqueline? Yeah, exactly.
1: So we flew to Houston and then drove directly to, to Austin, so like one week out of the start of the competition.
0: The general idea is to kind of give yourself a couple of days to get over jet lag and then acclimatise and get ready. Yeah,
1: so jet lag is the big one. Like when we arrived, it was an eight hour time difference. Sometimes you recover really quickly, you know, like one, two days, you're actually fine. Sometimes it can take four or five days just to shake it off. And so we didn't want to take a risk on that. So like one week for us is like a good time. Obviously, you know, you're away from home from all these things for for a week before but I think when you start kind of pushing like an eight-hour time difference it becomes important or the risk is higher that you just arrive and, and you're not going to feel great during the whole competition. What's the trick for getting rid of jet
0: lag then? What's your secret answer?
1: There's a few things that, that people do. Some people kind of talk about fasting on the plane and eating the first big meal. What our protocol is basically we either going back or forward we kind of stick to staying up until to bedtime the arrival day we don't have any training or anything like that then we really try and train at the the relevant times to the competition so coming this way usually for us our competition is when we have to head west and that means we're training at like four o'clock in the afternoon which would be like the equivalent of 2 3 a.m and so we just force ourselves into that training rhythm straight away and you know it's like kind of the simple things classically what happens is you go to bed at night you sleep for three hours and feel like you've been sleeping for 10 hours then you wake up you're like oh it must be like eight o'clock in the morning and it's only midnight and, oh, man! And, and so you kind of just got to be disciplined and mm. not actually getting up when you feel that wide awake and trying to stay stay in the bed
0: so do you just find a box or a gym before you've got there or do you just rock up and go hi uh can we train here or how does it work
1: with you this time we're very lucky to um stay at fitness lab crossfit they kind of let us in but everything's pre-planned because obviously if the gym's like 90 minute drive or an hour drive not everywhere has gyms you know it's not like everywhere has like a facility that can support it so actually it's very important to find the place beforehand so you can kind of organise the accommodation etc as well because also it's not nice to stay in the hotel for so long but uh, we were very lucky this time friend had some accommodation we are staying just like an hour south of Austin so we were able to stay in his accommodation so it's just like being at home rest and recover all the way so to, to the competition
0: what about the check-in day? Because I saw some pretty cool swag coming out of the, the Rogue. This year, this, last year it was cowboy boots, this year it was baseball bats. Yeah, and this
1: is kind of where Rogue really excels. It's, it's the athlete experience, you know, the athletes walk in. Also, you've got to imagine, compared to games, like Rogue is taking 40 CrossFit athletes compared to the hundreds that are at games and so it can be a lot more personalized experience you know everyone's going out getting these kind of jerseys the baseball bats and it feels very like intimate and exclusive so they really make the athletes feel special at the rogue check-in and as you say they, they've done something cool these last few years with the, the cowboy theme or now the baseball theme so this is a really nice start for the athletes as they're kind of walking into the the competition
0: are you ever a little bit jealous no,
1: actually, I, I've done it, been through it so many times now that I don't, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm jealous of that. Actually, GORUCK were, you know, <laughs> at the games you, you don't get anything, you know, you get your like a little wristband, but this year the coach has actually got uh, a t-shirt and some shoes from GORUCK, so, you know, we were very privileged this year.
0: Yeah, you got treated, yeah. spoilt. So that's all, that all looks like super fun, but then they dropped the bomb on you, didn't they, about the first event being on the Thursday, not the Friday?
1: yeah we what knew was that like we did knew before um when it was going to be but rogue kind of took a bit of, so <coughs> rogue had been very like open before about what's happening clear communication and i think most athletes tend to appreciate that but this year they weren't kind of the opposite of like secrecy no one knows what's happening you just get on a bus at 7 a.m no one's allowed to come with you we will be going like two hours away you don't know what you're doing bring everything so it kind of has like this um it's happened at the games before where they kind of say, you know, meet at this time and you don't know what we're going to be doing. It was a good event. For the athletes, it was just like a trail run with the pack and some obstacles. But it wasn't anything like crazy. You know, it wasn't like they went to some military base or did something super special. So everyone, I think, was a bit like, well, there was kind of loads of hype around it about what's going to be happening. I think Rogue's going to be releasing a bike, so people wondered if they're going to be bringing their their new bike out. All of these things were kind of like speculated, but actually it just turned out to be a ruck run. So it was a bit of like, for all the hype around it, it was like, (laughs) ah.
0: But Lesar twisted his ankle, didn't he, on day one?
1: Yeah, so he he did. Usually, It would have been a good event for him, the run. But yeah, he twisted his ankle and and had to walk the rest of the the route. Obviously, it was um, tough happening, something like that, but it wasn't so bad that he couldn't finish the competition.
0: It must have put him back a long way because he didn't manage to get up the leaderboard, did he? Well, the thing is,
1: in, in Rogue, you know, it, it does suit, like, an athlete with, like, big power output, typically stronger. And, and Lazar is... That's something that Lazar is working on is that kind of power output and top-end strength. So it's always going to be a harder competition. And then with the one event that's, you know, that you could really excel at, you end up um, taking an injury. It's that That's kind of like a, a double whammy. Double
0: so when the actual event began, like properly began on the Friday, what did you think of the workouts? What do we have on the, on the Friday? Let me look.
1: Yeah, so Friday was a really savage day. Like you basically, you know, you, you got so the first thing is the rock run in itself is not too crazy, but it's all like accumulated volume. Oh yeah. So then they start on the Friday and they change the log bar muscle-ups. So th- this was the log bar muscle-ups which I think was a really nice twist. It was, I think it's very clever when, when you kind of change a staple movement in a simple way and adding a log rather than a gymnastic bar was, was I think very clever and and it, it, the workout worked really well. I think it was a great start to the competition and um, a nice unique twist, kind of very classic twist. You then went into this back squat workout, which was super heavy. It's like, like it depends. It's relative, isn't it? The, the heaviness, but it was kind of 15 reps at 185 in pound in kilos, 125 in kilos for the girls. And so at uh, that kind of like top end numbers, you have very big discrepancies in time. As you saw, you know, some girls couldn't get one rep. Some girls were able to finish in like, things like three minutes or something like that. So you had a huge discrepancy in the, the mm-hmm. kind of times and abilities because, that kind of way it's like do you have it or don't you have it and that's like almost it's like almost a buy-in to to be able to get the work done so you know for, for all of the girls that weight 15 reps combined with the box jump overs already i don't know the volume starting to accumulate already and then they went into this, this spinning dt which is you know echo bite and barbell again we call that day one, it was a very tough day one. And it also, because there was a rain delay in the morning, everything got pushed together. So it was basically like events back, event back, event back. So it was actually quite a, um, a tough day physically for the athletes.
0: I mean, they would say that a multiple-day event, then it's just as important to know how to recover as to how to compete, isn't it? Because in between times, you've got to figure out how to get your body back in shape Yeah, not having that much time. I heard a lot of people complaining about being sore by Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, so this is the thing, you know. As soon as you saw it, it's like ten events over four days, you're like okay, well this is this is more volume. So they kind of had lunges and running, then they went into this uh, elimination style, which again had kind of the sandbag, like this rope climb, overhead squats, <laughs> and then they had the one RM uh, log press for uh, for day two. So interestingly, the workouts are very short on this day, so actually. Mm. kind of overall volume wasn't super high because i think you started with the lunges in the morning you also combine that with with kind of a, a run up the hill it was, it was more of a sprint event to be honest and then the second event was was interesting in different ways they had they had the overhead squat so you had another squatting element with the barbell and the sandbag carry but that event came a bit controversial through like behind the scenes. They just made some strange choices of in that event of how, how it works. What do you mean? So in essence, they gave top five athletes a to buy into the next round. Usually that kind of a limb, they, they had it last year in the snatch, but usually in CrossFit with that style of scoring, that doesn't happen because each event is kind of uniquely programmed to be a different test. So it's, it's not usual that you give an advantage to group for a unique test it was kind of like a strange concept to use during an elimination style and so what was actually happening is that some people in the say in the first heat would get better times than the people in the five at the top five but then even still the top five would get higher points than the people in the bottom even though they'd done a worse time it was like a it's just because it's just hmm. because of the concept of the way they did the elimination was a bit well it, it was, it's kind of unique it doesn't happen that much in uh crossfit style events and then there were also like they had some issues with like chip times and and people going through and, and qualifying so there was that's why they're all the delay for people who are watching on live tv that's why there are all the d- delays like it was a, a very long event for very short events just because there was like lots of changes happening with times and various things behind the scenes
0: and then the, we had the the Texas Oak, which is um, inevitably won by Denny Spiegel. Yeah. Well, I say inevitably, but I mean, like she looked like she could have gone a lot a lot heavier, actually.
1: Yeah, this is what so it's it? interesting. Like, I think the event, the Texas Oak, you know, it was a nice change. We've obviously moved into kind of a strongman theme through a lot of the heavy lifts. And
0: it kind of yeah. worked,
1: I, you know, I think the concept was good. Again, it became a bit of a controversial event, because, yes, really? so they used a tiebreaker because the jerry cans. And so, what would happen oh, yeah. is that actually, I think it was like eight, eight athletes were actually tied on the same weight because they're relatively big jumps, especially for females, like going up around five kilo jumps on a log is, is pretty big. And mm. so, actually, you had these bottlenecks. And therefore, at one point, you had like eight girls go out the same weight that was all then decided by this jerry can carry. So, it was almost half of the field were decided because of the split time of a jerry can carry rather than a log. Press, uh, clean and press. So it, it was again a bit of a strange choice of of events. There, there are a few things going down. I mean, at this point, like it is almost interesting from like an observational point, as like you know, from the coach from the spectators, all these things going on. But these changes really do have impacts on on the overall winner. And an interesting thing is like at Rogue this year, the prize money gap between first and second is like around a hundred. It's huge. Yeah, it's like one hundred forty thousand um, dollar gap between first and second. And, you know, which is just huge. And so, you know, you are getting to the point where these changes are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that they go through and the impact's really there. So, and obviously that makes like, I think emotions run high. And also at this point, and now the athletes are starting to get a bit tired, especially going into Sunday. So the kind of tiredness, the fatigue, all of these things are starting to to build a little bit more just because of the overall volume.
0: Was it quite tense backstage?
1: Did it get a bit emotional? No, I, I think everything was fine on the Saturday. Then on Sunday, they, I think Sunday, again, <laughs> there was some controversy in the sense that um, the standard of the handstand push-ups. So I don't know how much you kind of saw on the, uh, the live stream, but one of the things, they, they had a set distance for the parallax. And mm. your, feet had, your feet couldn't move and had to stay within a distance of the parallax. And so this meant that it creates a very subjective environment for judging, in the sense that, you know, one, it's just very hard to see when you're close to an athlete how much the feet are moving and if they're staying within the distance of the parallettes. And so what would be happening is obviously some some just got from my phone, reading the message. Some judges would therefore be very strict about the legs coming out, and some judges less so. And in a workout like that, you know. Like one one no rep on the hands-down push-up is, you know, especially if you are going to failure or these things, it can take a lot of time. You get a no rep, it can end up taking like 20 seconds, 30 seconds and because it's, uh, it can be a hard movement when you're close to failure. And so there was a lot of kind of judging discrepancy and it wasn't very consistent. And so that led to a lot of appeals, a lot of complaints, a lot of things happening, uh, which is kind of sad, I, I think, because it's not that the, the workout bad as such but it comes very hard to judge objectively because the standard is like it, you can interpret what the standard means the interpret or kind of room for interpretation is a lot higher than when you like cross a line or something you know if they had to kind of tape on the handstand push-ups and a foot cross the line it's a lot easier for a judge to be like yes or no whereas now it becomes a bit grayer and, and this was then following on from i don't know if you saw on the live feed again like a lot of no reps on the overhead squats for no real, for no real apparent reason. Mm-hmm. So, uh, things have kind of accumulated at this point where it was like people were like, "Hey, this is like it's becoming about um, judging inconsistencies rather than how how good the athletes are at the uh, the movement, kind of luck of the lane." And it, it it's not to, you know, this, I think that there are lots of positives to take away, like the spectacle was there for. It, it is an amazing event to watch visually, everything like this. It's just that. It's, these sometimes these things can lead to more frustrations than enjoyment during the the event like a lot of athletes you know every athlete accepts it if you don't have the level you don't have the level it's like a lot easier to accept than when there's this kind of um, factor that doesn't feel as fair going through Mm. so i think that kind of added to the some things backstage in some ways
0: what can we do about the problem with the judging, though? I mean, it seems to be, at every event, the same issue.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you, well, I mean, how many times are we going to talk about this? And I think that something does need to be be addressed because I, I think there's actually lack of communication. Right? You know, I, I, I'd have to say it comes down to communication, like, how do we solve this, this problem? Because I think, actually, everyone wants the same thing. You know, everyone, all athletes, all coaches, it's not like anyone's seeking an advantage. They actually just want to know that, person beside them or the athlete beside them is getting the same level of consistent judging as the person next to them they don't want to rock out to a competition floor and be like look depending on which lane you get you know you're going to get an easier or a harder time through so building that consistency i think is is very important and maybe more conversations need to happen like either on actually changing workouts to to accommodate easier judging so, for example, when it's a sprint workout with legless rope climbs, overhead squats, and sandbag carry, the overhead squats are the hardest movement in that to judge. There's lots of you know, lots of different positions that the athlete needs to achieve for it to be able good rep. It happens so quickly, so the no reps also become costly. Even if it's in that workout, two or three, well, one second was the difference between going through and not. So, a no rep is that It probably takes like one and a half seconds to do the overhead squat for those guys. So one no rep ends up being a big factor. And if you'd have changed the workout to say legless rope climbs and the sandbag carry, that actually, those are two things that are easy to judge because it's very, a lot easier to see an athlete touching the beam. And it's a lot easier to see an athlete crossing a line. And so there's kind of the argument in these sprint workouts, should you have kind of high rep body movements that are harder to judge? Because actually the judging becomes a bigger factor in the outcome of the event. So it's like all these kind of complexities to think about. And it, it's definitely not an easy subject to start going into because I think that the, the programming affects things and, and the consistency of judging affects things. So it's like, how do we eliminate the, the kind of room for error? I think that's the question to ask. It's like, how can we eliminate the room mm-hmm. for error without making it a really sterile environment that it's not enjoyable to watch? Because if you just make everything very objective, it, I think you'll probably become quite a boring competition to watch so you kind of need to find that line
0: i think we need line judges and referees running around as well that would make it more fun yellow flags red flags who could have all of that as well
1: i actually think having video playback is something that's it's obviously time consuming and needs to be done in the right way but i feel that if an athlete appeals a decision that it should be looked at on video and I think that the athletes should kind of have the right to do that, to be able to put in a, a video appeal and actually have it maybe checked by like an external, someone who's not on the floor, or like an external ju- judging body or whatever who's objective to the situation. I do wonder if there's an opportunity. And it wouldn't be that hard to implement the bigger competitions because each lane is filmed anyway. So th- there's maybe ideas like that. that could be put Especially
0: forward. when there's so much money riding on it as well. I mean, this is huge... Huge for these guys and for anybody, it's a lot of
1: money. You're talking about, yeah, it's like life changing amounts of money, you know, not from money, from fame, from these things. The difference between first and second now, we're talking in one placement, is $140,000. Yeah, it's so huge that you do, you know, you kind of go, okay, like, there's a lot riding on this, you know, it's not like we're like when I used to compete, you know, we're competing for like $100 or 150 euros, you know, which the amount of money I think. Is a changing factor than when it's just a local throwdown and you're kind of doing it for for fun in some ways it you know obviously it'd be nice if everyone could have those same standards, but when you're kind of talking at those those numbers it'd be nice to be able to I, I think have kind of that professionalism and consistency across
0: when you look at the programming this year but, and also last year rogue's traditionally a really heavy event like the weights are very big does it even make sense for any of the lighter girls who get invited to go to the competition to show up
1: well i'm, I'm sure like you know some of the top girls like you know, hayley for example I, i'm sure when she saw the programming she was like well i'm probably happy i didn't go you know because
0: you kind of go mm. what's the
1: point to, to get a beat down and show that you i think that there has to be something said like kind of picking hey
0: guys sorry to interrupt If you're looking to improve your gymnastics, strength, conditioning, or even swimming technique, then take a look at the courses in Athlete Academy at theprogram.com. You can get 10% off when you use the code EIC at the checkout.
1: I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, like having like competitions with different styles. You know, you you might have a competition that favours a lighter gymnast, or you have a competition that favours like a heavier lifter, I don't think there's anything kind of wrong with that, but I, I do kind of think that like you say it should kind of be pre-advertised in a way of like so the athletes know what they're they're getting, and this comes into another interesting point. It's like what do you pre? How do you predefine like what is what is good CrossFit programming for an event? And that's actually something that I think is very hard to answer and a, and a very interesting question to ask. How would you define if a CrossFit event is well programmed or not?
0: How would I define it? That it was well rounded. That it had, that it covered all of the, the disciplines that we we say are included in the original CrossFit manifesto. Yeah, that's it's, that's it's, how I would say.
1: Yeah, the, the thing is, is when you start looking at the depths of it, it becomes quite interesting. So, so if we take for example the bar muscle workout that ended up being with a log, so it was supposed to have twenty bar muscle ups at certain levels those 20 bar muscle-ups kind of become insignificant because everyone can do them unbroken so once you reach a certain level 20 bar muscle-ups aren't a factor for, for most athletes because they just go through them unbroken so even though you have a gymnastic component kind of irrelevant in some ways if everyone could do it unbroken because then it becomes about uh, speed on the ski and speed of the ghgs whereas when they changed it to a log that then made the bar muscle ups a lot more relevant and therefore it has more of a gymnastic component so if you have for example the so you 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 have included bar muscle ups but were they relevant to the workout becomes an interesting question when they they're unbroken and and these are kind of like interesting questions but you know i I do understand that most most of the the crossfit population like it, it doesn't you know it's still an entertaining thing to watch so, so most, most people, in 90% of people watching the competition don't really mind what, what comes up or the, the factors to it. They want to see something that's entertaining. There's no question that what Rogue got on was entertaining. It's more kind of the nerds and uh, behind the scenes that ask these questions of like, what defines good programming across the, the competition? And, and I, I don't necessarily think there is a, at least an answer that's written down on paper right now. Because if you take it to one extreme, you don't have any variance, and if you take it to another extreme, it's it's too random. And so finding that balance in a very varied sport is extremely difficult.
0: You're going to be programming a competition soon.
1: I might just be I might just be tired whilst I'm on the flight <laughs> talking. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, maybe this is why also that um, lots of these uh, questions are in my head right now. It's like how do how do we provide a good program? the athletes that are coming on board that provides a good test.
0: Tell me a bit about the competition that you're
1: programming. Yeah, so uh, this is slightly different It's um, because it's in teams of three. It's also aimed at athletes, you know, with their competition has kind of a scale division and various divisions. So our aim of this is to be able to provide balanced tests for the athletes meaning that we will have components of strength, components of conditioning, components of gymnastics, that are coupled together in such a way that, you know, what we would like to think is that the most well-balanced athlete will come through Victoria Victoria's. And it's also important that that is fun and entertaining to watch.
0: And when is the competition happening? Is it it's at the end of this year, is it, or next year? 10th and 11th
1: of December. So uh, Chris is actually going You've to got to get
0: on with it then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, we we in in our defence we were given a uh, very short notice, but yes, we, we're already in the pro- we already have kind of a draft programme written up of what we want to uh, to do. So it is already in the stages. Also a team, you know, it's like there are there's another level of complexity of like how much you're testing the individual's abilities and how much you're testing the uh kind of synchro ability of the teams.
0: Well it'll be it be um fun to talk to you about what the decisions you make about that then because i think yeah.
1: that's an interesting i been... so one thing i think is like kind of an important point of this is like you know if you'd ask me was rope a great competition yes it was like very entertaining to watch visually very pleasing you know i think that the the best athletes won and so from that, that side of things like it was a it was a great event i think the one thing that we want to try and achieve is that actually how do we how do we advance things so that we can have, you know, how can we evolve the sports in a better direction that allows allows some of the issues that occur not to occur because they happen very frequently across the competitions that we travel to. Like, I have no doubt what these are again. It's like, actually, how can we put things in place that that may mean they don't? And is that possible? You know, Are we talking, is, is this going to be possible or not?
0: Was there anybody who competed at the weekend that you were surprised by?
1: I'm very impressed at Medeiros. It has to be said. Like, his dominance is quite incredible. It it blows my mind that we go from Froning to Fraser to Medeiros, you know? How, Hmm. especially especially the reason why that's strange is that the variance from 2 to 20 is so huge. So 2 to 20 fluctuate around, you know? Second place could be, kind of be anyone in that uh, category. Whereas... There seems to be this like standout winner. It's like, it's not like there was always someone who was second, and then all of a sudden they were first. It's just like there's this dominance that seems to to appear through the winner across very varied tests. And, and this is where like Tia, Matt, Froning have always been so impressive. Is the programming wasn't relevant. They would win. If it was strength biased. they would win. If it was conditioning bias, they would win. If it was very like classic CrossFit style, they would win. And that's what's been so phenomenal about those athletes. Whereas actually for the, you know, from two down, if the programming is more strength biased, it will mean that a different person will win than if the programming is more gymnastic biased. So, so Madeira impressed me, you know, to be able to continue the winning streak of, of what he's managing to achieve is, is very impressive. And he had some very stiff competition. Um, you know, you've also got to say like Laura, Laura as well, you know, she is phenomenal at certain things. Like when you watch her on spinning DT, or you know, taking three event wins, all you know, fairly comfortably is, is very impressive. So, like when she's when she's in her element, she's fairly untouchable by the rest of the field.
0: Do you think Tia would have beaten her if she was there?
1: If I had to place money, I would say yes. I mean, you know, it's just because Tia Tia can win a strength event, and Tia can win a conditioning event, and Tia can win a gymnastics event. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to place money down, you would also, based on her past performances, like, that, that Laura did have ups and downs. For example, she, she, yeah. I, I believe it was the last place on, on the handstand, and Tia wouldn't have those same extremes. She might not have beaten Laura in, in Laura's events, but she probably wouldn't have had the dips, which means she comes the, the overall winner.
0: Let's talk about your girl, Jacqueline. How did she feel about the weekend?
1: Yeah, it was it was tough. So Rogue is always going to be a tough competition for Jacqueline because of the... And so we knew going into the competition that that was going to be a factor. But, you know, Jacqueline really was honoured to be kind of invited to compete at Rogue and wanted to take that. And she took it head on with the opportunity to kind of see where she is at this point the season. And unfortunately, on the last day, she did end up kind of, those watching kind of saw the last event, She uh, we, we made a decision not to, to push it. So... It didn't have any lasting effect. The place that she was, she wouldn't have been able to push into top 10. She also didn't want to have like a, a do not finish from the weekend. So she went out there to be very safe. The weight was very comfortable for her and just made the decision to, to play it safe.
0: I watched on the live stream and I was watching her and I watched I felt really sad for her because obviously I don't know, you know, the backstory and everything. Because all I ever get from messages from Jacqueline in competition times is smiley faces. Yeah. yeah I mean if you've got an athlete or or whatsapping an athlete or something you won't get any information from them because they're just busy you know trying to stay off of messages anyway but I just was watching it I felt really sad for her because it just three reps and then just basically standing there looking at the barbell was a bit oh I felt disconsolate but I mean to know the truth is good she was like saving her body
1: (laughs) yeah it was just like a risk It was a bit of a risk analysis of like you know she, she wouldn't have been able to win the event either. So it was like, you know, let's just, let's play it safe. Let's make sure she's healthy going back in and don't take chance going forward. So that was kind of a risk we, we took. Also, it has to be said, you know, the athlete was found out like half an hour before what they're actually going to be doing.
0: Mm. One of the commentators actually did say, he he was speaking about... Jack and he said it's been a long weekend, and I can imagine that you know there's there's no point in pushing herself. So he got it immediately what was going on.
1: Yeah, I think one of the yeah. things is that you know Rogue was advertised by by the programmers as a showcase rather than a test of fitness, and so everyone ends the weekend expecting like not much volume. Everyone's expecting to throw down and push hard. But no one was expecting just to be like run through the how much can you handle factor. I think a lot of athletes were just like a bit like, well, not expecting to be going into a competition in that way.
0: Do you think that did anybody not feel like physically ready for that then?
1: So these athletes can handle a lot. These athletes can handle a lot. So it's just very important that... um, but it's an interesting thing with off-season competitions like we had this discussion with Goma um, on a previous podcast and we you know mm-hmm. we were saying actually is Rogue just as entertaining with with one event rather than having uh, more events or not um and that's something that uh that we're going to go for like three um, three four days of competition
0: i've got to say i wish that they had a strong woman event that feel i feels like they're lacking something there
1: it's a very good point
0: I don't understand why they missed the the women out because they exist, <laughs> and that yeah, makes me that confuses me because everything else seems so like even CrossFit's known for it equality in that sense, and it seems a shame to only have strong men and not strong women.
1: I, I do agree. It's like a question that I've never I've never actually thought about, and I think it's a very good point that I, I have no idea why they make the decision that they, they make.
0: I'm going to try and find out. I think that's the only thing I can do.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, no, I don't follow the world of strongman. So I don't know how, Yeah, you know, I obviously follow it to, to a smaller degree, but I don't know like if how the strong women competitions are, how present are they and how much they occur.
0: Well, it's a bit like women's football. If you don't give it the exposure, it's never going to get any bigger. It's very much, they do exist and I've and i and I've got, you can find them on Instagram, lifting up dinny stones and flinging cabers around and all sorts of things. So I've looked and they're there. So why, why aren't they involved? I don't know. So where are you going now, John?
1: So I go uh, Amsterdam then back to New Yorker. Like it's just, we've had a lot of time in the US, so... We've got an elite camp happening in a few weeks. So a lot of our top guys are going to be over in in training for the season. Oh, fab. That'll be exciting. So I'm going to go back and prepare for that and go back home and make sure everything's running as smoothly as it can. Who have we got coming? Moritz is going to be there. We've obviously got the three girls that are currently on the island. We're actually releasing uh, something quite interesting. We're actually going to be joined by Renato, who's a, who's a coach and one of his sports Portuguese athletes called Thiago So there's something something interesting coming uh, from the program. So stay tuned. But we'll be joined by uh, by those two guys from Portugal and a few other athletes who are coming in as well.
0: Interesting in what way?
1: What they will be releasing? Hmm. Uh, you'll have to stay tuned. Oh. <laughs> it'll be it'll be Dickeys. released by it'll be the, uh, released by the end of the week.
0: Oh, okay. So look out on the program's Instagram, I guess. Bon voyage, John. Safe travels. Next up on the show, we will have Taylor Howe telling us about how she rediscovered her joy for the sport in her local box. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye.
1: Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky Macleod.